Cloud Studio Fortress, high above the stratosphere. We discuss everything from the latest police tech, what's new in training, to off topics like why does my sergeant hate me and do these uniform pants make me look fat? Now, without further ado, your 10-6 host, Darren Logue. And welcome to the 10-6 podcast. I'm your host, Darren Logue. It's been a hot minute since we've... Uh, had a, a podcast, and as always, I apologize. Uh, it's just been tough with uh, schedules and, and life, but uh, if you haven't listened to one of our casts in a while, this is a good one to uh, sit down and, and uh, give a, a little bit of your time to. We've got a great guest tonight, uh, somebody I have always considered a mentor, Uh just don't have enough good to say about this guy. Uh, I think you're really going to enjoy the the uh, time with him. Author Ron Long. So one of my uh, best bosses I've ever had. Great guy. He's got three books out there right now up for the grabbing. And um, I'm pretty sure that uh, if you reach out to him, he'll autograph one and get you one in the mail today. But uh great guy should be an interesting uh interview so we're uh currently 10 8 getting ready to go 10 6 so sit back relax 10 6 podcast we'll be right back just like a miracle you have to see to believe because god bless texas with his own hand brought down angels from the promised land How about now? Yeah, it's pretty good. It's a little echoey. It sounds like you're hanging out on the uh, on the pole, like in Green Acres, but I, I can hear you. <laughs> well, is this any better? Yeah, it's much better. That's much okay. better. All well, right. I, I put in my headpiece here, my earbuds, so mm. hopefully that will be a little bit better. Yeah, sounds good. Sounds good. Well, we appreciate you... Uh, coming on we've we've tried to put this uh together for several months and somehow or another all the all the stars aligned tonight so we definitely appreciate it i uh i was gonna introduce you as author ron long but i'm about three or four zemas into it and i didn't want people to ask who arthur was (laughs) i don't i don't want people to google arthur long so no, we've got uh, author Ron Long, who uh, I guess before we get going, can you kind of tell folks a little bit uh, about maybe your history, and then we'll we'll get into kind of how you and I came to be, and then we'll get into the meat and potatoes uh why we're doing a podcast tonight. Sure, Darren, I'd be glad to. Uh, the history part goes back a long time, so I'm not going to date myself, you know. I'll just uh, go back to my career, and I'd actually give a the years that I'm there. Uh, but uh, Darren, I began my career, actually I will tell the years, back in the 1970s. And uh, going through college at the time, uh, deciding whether I wanted be, to be a lawyer or a police officer. And uh, <clears throat> after I spent about three years in college, I was asked by a college professor to do a ride-along research paper with one of my local hometown police departments. Uh, did that enjoyed it totally. I enjoyed the excitement and the thrills associated with the job and the challenges. So uh, I said, no more lawyer. It's time to go and become a police officer and follow that pathway in life. So, uh, you know, dating myself here, I go back to 1978 when I put my first badge in the pocket. And uh, for the most part, except a little bit of corporate work in the fraud arena, uh, I've been a cop most of my adult life. And like with most of us, uh, when you made that that uh, 
decision took a vow of poverty. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, you know, I, I, I can't say I'm living in the biggest mansion at the end of the cul-de-sac. Uh, but, you know, put food on the table, but that's not what it's all about. Uh, like I said a while ago, I enjoyed the excitement of the, of the job. And uh, even from day one till the day I retired, it was always a very rewarding and exciting job. Yeah. But not into it for the money. Also, you know, this is kind of cliche, but I enjoyed the aspect of helping people out here and being able to maybe positively influence some people's lives from young people on to ones that, uh, which I'm sure we'll get into later in the uh, drug addiction world. But uh, very rewarding whenever you have a chance to help people for, you know, 35 years. And you can say that you had a 35-year profession that you loved but also was helpful to individuals out here in the general public. So, yeah, yeah. love my job. Now, Ron, we're, I, I remember that story. Um, I, I remember you telling me a couple times over the years, but I don't think I ever asked, where was that first, uh, first ride-along that you did? Well, my first ride-along was in a small town called Waynesville, uh, Pulaski County, Missouri, kind of south-central Missouri, down close to Lake of the Ozarks. Uh, most people, though, from Missouri will actually put that in geographical reference to Fort Leonard Wood, right off I-44 between St. Louis and Springfield. Right. I didn't realize that's where where you kind of kind of you know started started all this off. I, I really did not. Then, um, so you kind of started off there. Then, how did you? And, and I'm putting the cart way before the horse. But you worked for Dallas PD for for some time. Actually, Darren, it was Arlington Police Department, which okay. is right in between Dallas and Fort Worth, I guess, and worked there uh, for the Sheriff's Office also in Fort Worth, and also some uh, reserve work down in uh, South Central Texas, down in the big city of Austin. Yeah, yeah. So, and I uh, uh, had the uh, unfortunate opportunity to drive through that area a couple times now over the years, and <laughs> man, talk about packing a lunch. That is uh I thirty five. My goodness, that is uh that is just a nightmare. It uh when when folks tell you it takes X amount of time to get from Missouri down to, to where you're at, I always tell them to add about four hours to get through to get through Dallas. Exactly. So no, I didn't. Yeah, the mileage doesn't actually equate to the time it takes to drive through Texas. No, so. not at all. So then I kind of vaguely remember I, I'm terrible with dates, uh, just terrible. But I vaguely remember about the time you came. Uh, I, I'm guessing back to Missouri, and and opted to to do the sheriff's thing was probably about what oh four oh five. I actually came back to Missouri uh, pretty close to 2009 when I returned. Uh, thought I'd retired from law enforcement at the time. Uh, living down in Texas, but then, uh, you know, kind of the deal to where the parents are needing a little help, you know, with some health issues. So I decided uh, it was time to return to my hometown and help out mom and dad a little bit. Yeah, and I kind of, I kind of remember that uh, first encounter encounter mm-hmm. we had. I don't think you'd, you'd you'd been in you know been back for a real long time. I think it was about a, a year prior you know, to you take an office when you started your campaign and, and all that good stuff. And, uh, man, it just seems like forever ago, which I guess in, in, in the great, in the grand scheme of things, it, it was, it was eight or nine years ago when, when our paths first, uh, kind of crossed and, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's amazing. But, uh, yeah. So now, um, you know, you I know you're, we, we had the opportunity to, uh, to break the bread and, and kind of hang out a little bit during the holidays you're you're back uh is it okay to kind of give a roundabout area where you're at sure that's fine we'll we'll make it very broad but san antonio texas west yep. side of town so yep. yeah yeah and we had an opportunity to hang out and 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 while we did that um i i've kind of been a, a follower of it for for some time but we had a a little opportunity at the time to talk, but you've written several books over the years. Um, and that was one of the things that I remember when I would, 
make the drive down to down to the sheriff's office and and we were doing our thing and like I said we'll circle back around but I kind of I kind of remember then I think you only had maybe one maybe one maybe two books out at the time but you've you've since come out with a third book correct uh, that's correct and I think Darren actually when you and I met I was just completing my second crime novel and then, of course, after uh, you and I had the opportunity to work together for a number of years, uh, finally decided it was time to retire. That's when I began my third book yeah, uh, that I've written. Now, I remember, uh, and, I, and forgive me, Ron, I don't, I don't have. Uh, we're a low-rate show, as I, as you probably can guess. <laughs> I'm, I'm hoping the hell when this thing's done that we even recorded. <laughs> that's a crapshoot. That's a crapshoot from time to time. I've had folks on, and we've had a really good, uh, really good, uh, you know, time, and go back to listen to it, and it's just just me talking. But um, I remember one of them was it was about was it about the devil's elbow area, correct? Uh, right. It was kind of a combination, Darren, of both. Missouri, which is the Devil's Elbow area, and also Texas. Uh, my first two books are actually crime novels, uh, even though they're fictional. They're mostly based on true investigations that I was personally involved in. So, you know, you take that, change the names, throw in a little bit of fiction too, maybe a 75% true, 25% uh, fictional. And, uh, you know, I come up with two crime novels. Really enjoyed writing those, and like I said, uh, finished the second one, The Devil's Elbow Project, uh, right after you and I had the opportunity to meet. Now, can you kind of, without without giving folks, you know, the whole enchilada, can you kind of give the, 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 the preface, if you will, of, of what that particular book kind of covers? And then that was the, uh, the prelude to your third book, correct? Well, the, the first two, <clears throat> actually the first book was titled The Demise of a Texas King. Okay. And it actually is a conjunction of uh, Missouri and Texas too, to which the second book, the sequel, The Devil's Elbow Project, kind of picks up where the first one left off. Gotcha, gotcha. And, and that's kind of s- surrounding, um, when, when you talk about Missouri, is that kind of uh, touching on that lake area or, or not so much? Well, it actually is. Uh, actually, the Lake of the Ozarks and the Fort Leonard Wood area. That book, Darren, was based on probably the biggest investigation I personally have been involved in in my life. Organized crime, drug world type deal. And the man that this book was based on actually had numerous legitimate businesses along with his drug trafficking businesses. And one of those was to where he did contracting work on military bases. Mm -hmm. And being the small world uh, that it is, even though he was based out of Texas, this individual was doing work on Fort Leonard Wood, had a contracting company, a legitimate business out there that he actually set up and was doing contract work on Fort Wood. And... Actually, I knew two people uh, from my hometown that worked for this individual, and this all transpired when I was a cop in Texas, but also a leg of it spiraled into Fort Wood and Lake of the Ozarks. Wow. Wow, that's interesting. And again, folks that are that are listening, um, that book in particular that we're talking about is called The Devil's Elbow um, Project, and I uh, I actually will put in the show notes and with my link uh, where that can be purchased now on these books as well i had i was kind of fortunate because uh i I got to again break bread and and rub elbows with you over the holidays so you signed um my daughter's book and and uh, i think i grabbed one as well i might have been too cheap to buy a second one i don't know but uh, if folks want to no, sign, Dan, you have all of them. Okay, okay. So if folks want a signed copy of this, they can actually go to your website as well. Correct. Right. Uh, they can do that. But let me back up just a teeny bit. Sure. Uh, Darren, actually, the name of the first book is "The Demise of the Texas King," mm-hmm. and that is the one about the individual that was doing uh, contracting work on 
uh, Fort Leonard Wood and also around the Lake of the Ozarks area. Gotcha. And then the second, actually the sequel to that uh, is the Devil's Elbow Project, which also transpired in the Ozark Hills and Texas uh, combined. Gotcha. Uh, now, if someone would like uh, to, uh, which hopefully they will, <laughs> Uh, buy one of these two books we're talking about, or the third one, which I'm sure we'll get to here shortly, is uh, if they want to go to my website, the Triple W's author, which means a book writing author, <laughs> author Ron long.com i'm glad you so said w- that w- I, w- I, <laughs> I'd butcher. go ahead go ahead with it again i'd, I'd have butchered it go the, ahead darren you're not the first one that's done that you know i i have a facebook page i send out likes and stuff to other individuals or or hey you know hit me up as a friend and it's like are you the Ron Long I used to know, or is your first name author? So right. Maybe I should have put a little hyphen in there, author hyphen Ron Long. So, right. But uh, you're not the only one. And that website is www.authorronlongoneword.com. I'm actually on it right now. And, and when you go up here to books, it actually there's a, a, a short uh, blurb, if you will, on each one of those books and and what they uh, what they entail, and then um, looks like you've even gone as far as uh, uh, put short little samples of each one of your books for for download, where folks want to go in and just kind of get a taste. Uh, that's that's very cool. So well, yeah, what I'm doing with that, Darren, uh, that actually right now is focusing around the third book. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in addition to my website, it tells how you can order one that's signed, but. You know, uh, barnesandnoble.com carries these. Uh, also, uh, Amazon.com uh, mm-hmm. carries them, and, and other people. If you don't want one that's signed, you can just go to those websites. Uh, so, but uh, yes, if you want a personalized copy, be glad to do it. All I'm doing, additional, and regarding fees, is I'm charging you for postage. I don't charge any extra for signing the book or whatever. So, sure. it's the same as you would get at Barnes and Noble or Amazon plus posties and that's it very good very good well i appreciate it and we'll definitely uh get that out there now going um kind of going back when when you and i uh met and i was working for you um you know i had just come off of a pretty extensive undercover op at the lake um i've had uh uh, groves on a couple times and and we've kind of touched on on some of that um but kind of going into your third book one of the things that i kind of wanted to hit you with that uh, you know i'd been in law enforcement since 97 and i'd worked all over the state for different counties uh doing a lot of um you know cold buys um i went into one particular task force that wasn't a task force yet it was several counties that were getting ready to start a task force, and they wanted uh, to kind of show the commissioners and the and the folks of the county that it was justified, you know, in starting this task force. So we went in and threw some numbers up on the board and, and made some arrests. But I didn't really realize, even though I grew up in Missouri and, and went there a lot, until I really started working in, in what I kind of call the underbelly of all this in the, in the lake area, just how, um, just how dark a, of a place it is. And, 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 and I know folks, you know, it's kind of a taboo topic and, and whatnot, but without getting real, uh, you know, poking the sleeping bear, would you not agree that folks for the, for the most part, probably don't realize to what extent some of this stuff goes on down there. It's very well you know, hidden. <clears throat> you're exactly right. And most people don't until they have a chance to actually be somehow saturated into the problem itself. You know, I grew up, and I'm, I'm going to use the phrase Boy Scout, even though I wasn't actually a Boy Scout. I grew up like that, you know, very, uh, you know, clean nose. I've been at do drugs. uh didn't even taste alcohol till you know I was 18 years old, and just kept a very clean uh, uh, lifestyle. And I also had a, a dad that uh, had a hand as big as a, a shovel that uh, wasn't afraid to put it on my hiney if I messed up. So the love fair factor, and uh, with my father too. So 
I really never ever had a chance to walk in the, as you said, the darker side of life until I started working dope. And, you know, Darren, you have been to college. You've had a ton of continuing ed classes. You've sat in classroom and learned a lot about book work in the theories of criminal justice and law enforcement. But you will agree with me on this. I mean, we both kind of come from the same background that you never really understood the drug world until you had a chance to be part of it. Oh, and you had a, a chance to, to go in there. And uh, it, to me, it was the best education I've ever had in my life. And not only made me a better cop, but it also made me a better person. Made me a lot more understanding. Uh, you know, when, and you'll probably agree with this too, when we're sitting on a, in these classroom academies and, and in college and hearing all this theory about law enforcement and criminal justice, it's like, you know, for the most part, it, uh, law enforcement is white and black, wrong or right. There's no gray area. Either you're committing a crime or you're in a criminal or you're a law-abiding citizen. But once I started working dope, I saw there was this big gray area out there to where there are a lot of different circumstances that affect the people that are actually, actually victims of the drug world itself to where mom or dad, uh, they're in prison, they're dope dealers, or prostitution, they support their habits or whatever. And it really opened my eyes. It's the best education of my life. And it also made me a more compassionate person to all of the victims that are actually out there of our drug disease. I, I couldn't agree with you more. You know, as you're, as you're talking, um, I say this a lot, and it's met a lot of times with, I'll be brutally honest, a lot of hostility and, and a lot of debate. But, you know, most of your, 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 I'm just, I'm just speaking from, from my observations and my experience, but a lot of your narcotics guys work informants they don't work in a uc capacity where they're living with them going to work with them uh spending you know weekends with them you know things of that nature going and hanging out with them of an evening uh you, you know i i worked uh, what what they called at the time a, a deep under roll um i had about three or four guys that i was hooked in with and um you know, the one guy, uh, hell, I even worked uh, almost six months of pouring concrete, uh, floating it, edging it, um, striking it off, and uh, not in that order, but, uh, you know, and at the end of the night, he would go and, and uh, cook up his his uh, batch of meth, and, and I got to be hands-on with that. And then, uh, you know, this guy was just, uh, like you said, he was kind of a product of his environment. He... Uh, you know, he, he was never going to go to college. He was never going to have a six-figure job. Um, and, and it's all he knew. I mean, that, that, that is all he knew. Um, and, and no matter how much money he, he made doing the, the jobs he, he was doing, uh, between, you know, arrests here and fines and court costs and this and that, he was just always struggling. And that was kind of the only thing that he was good at. I mean, it's what he grew up with. And uh, mm. I, I think that's kind of kind of what you're saying to a, to a degree that there there's a, a lot more uh, as you put it kind of gray area uh, to a lot of this than what people realize. And um, that's correct. You know, it's uh, and I got to be honest. There there was a time there where when my operation came to an end, um, I felt a lot of remorse. And uh, there's a couple folks that I actually missed missed talking to mm -hmm. and miss being around and and uh you know that's a real head scratcher you know it's uh mm -hmm. it, it's 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 hard to you know from a, a law enforcement standpoint to kind of understand how a person develops those kinds of feelings and and attachments and a lot of the reason why as you know a lot of your your uh, narcotic spots are are short you know a two or three year stint and then mm -hmm. they move you move you somewhere else because uh it's very easy right. to get uh kind of engulfed in that environment or you know wrapped mm -hmm. up in that but no i tend to agree so kind of kind of going forward I'm, I'm looking now at your drugs without sugar america's addiction um kind of tell us a little bit about 
that and 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 what the motivation was and, and kind of you know it looks like it's a lot different than your other two books well let me start off by preferences uh this book uh, darren kind of like the author ron long <clears throat> i had a, a lot of people you know contact me i shouldn't say a lot but numerous that when i initially read the title to your book i thought you wrote a book about dieting or you know sugar or get away from drugs and sugar and and uh, you know that type of book and no 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 nothing uh, like that. I, I could tell what I, that is. I could tell by the syringe and uh, the uh, glass pipe that that probably wasn't a uh, a keto diet uh, uh, program. Well, you know, not, not to rain on anybody's prey, but I kind of <laughs> thought that too. It's like okay, the title is there on that book cover with syringes and drugs floating around everywhere. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, that book is a lot different than my first two. And I began doing that. You know, one thing I wanted to do is, as soon as I retired, is take the time out. Well, let me preface that, too, retire from law enforcement. But take the time out to where <clears throat> I could write a book. And, and like we spoke about a while ago, kind of going back to that gray area, I wanted to write a book that the people – in the drug world and that gray area could read it and understand and get some help. And also the people that had never been there, kind of like taking their hand and letting them see what it's really like, the drug world's really like. You know, I, I hate to say this, but I, Darren, I can't think of a book that would be any more boring than to write, you know, 400 pages of stats about drugs, you know, or psychological or, or medical studies about drugs, you know. Now, that's good for your doctors and counselors and psychiatrists, but that's not what I want to do. I want to get out there, and, and I wanted to write a book that would help everybody. So we've got some stats in there. We have It's an easy book to read and understand about the different kinds of drugs, but it also walks you through the drug world. It introduces you to, to that gray area. In addition, it... Uh, lets you be more understanding and compassionate for a lot of the people that are out there that are victims of the drug world. And, you know, I've had some cops that have read that, this book, and they say, well, you know, you're an ex-cop, so you sound a little compassionate in this book. Well, I am compassionate because, you know, we've been fighting this war on drugs since President Nixon declared war on it back in the 80s. Mm -hmm. But... Where we still, as you know, Darren, you've been in the drug enforcement world for a long time. We're not gaining any ground on fighting drugs. There's more drugs coming in now in America than ever. And it's not just a law enforcement problem anymore because we have all these overdoses. The heroin and opioids are taking over our country. Gosh almighty, look at all the movie stars and our singers that have died from opiate-related drugs, whether from heroin or just opiate prescription drugs. It happens, you can't hardly go a month without that happening. But this book was written to give people a better understanding from both perspectives, and also even with law enforcement, let them know that we have got to change direction a little bit out here, and we not only need to put the pushers and bad guys in jail, but we also need to formulate some programs for once we do arrest these individuals that are incarcerated for crimes that are related to drugs, like your thefts and burglaries and things like that, that there's programs in place to help them out. So, and that's also a community problem to where the community itself, and this book is directed at that, it needs to extend beyond law enforcement and reach out to our, our entire community to get them involved in fighting America's drug epidemic. Have you got a, and, and not to put you on the spot with this, but we, we've talked about this a lot. Do you have kind of a one, two, hang on one second, Ron. Do you have kind of a, a one, two, three outline of, of how you think uh, communities need to go about this uh, to, to implement uh, th this type of mindset? Well, yeah, kind of, sort of. Um, you know, I outline it in the book also, you know. Uh, but, you know, a, a big part of it, law enforcement plays a role. So we're out there doing enforcement like you and I have done in the past. 
uh, were out there infiltrating the drug world and enforcing the drug laws. But, you know, the main objective for law enforcement is to put them in jail. That's step number one, or one of the three steps. It's not necessarily in chronological order. The second one, you know, my last tenure, I was uh, the sheriff of a county in a very drug, uh, highly drug-used county, you know, overdoses, uh, a lot of drug arrests, a lot of drug problems. So we estimated in our county, myself and the county prosecutor, Kevin Hillman, that there was almost 80% of the people that are incarcerated in jail are there for some type of drug-related program, uh, problem. Mm-hmm. So we uh, started a coalition against drugs, and in that coalition we had steps that dealt with people that were incarcerated to where every week we had drug counseling programs, and this was not just in my county. This is also in other counties throughout the United States. We have a captive audience so let's take advantage to heal these people, to keep them from coming back through our system and costing us a lot of money, and also to help them to where they become positive, uh, productive citizens again. So we had programs that not only dealt with uh, drugs, rehabilitation, but also marriage counseling, how to be a better parent, how to get a job. And once you got out, we had people in place that would actually help them do that. And the third step is the community itself getting involved I mentioned that we had a drug coalition to where there were people that were doctors and clergy and business people and school teachers that all volunteered their services to come in and help these individuals, either while they were in jail to get them help or once they actually got out to help them find housing and jobs and transportation, which helps cut down on them being repeated offenders. So that was kind of our three-step program that we looked at. I like that. I, I actually was not aware of that until you uh, until you just hit on that. So so basically what you're saying is instead of a, a guy or gal being back in A-pod rolling dice and watching TV and just wasting their time because they're incarcerated, that a, a lot of folks would, would go in and kind of on their own uh, start this kind of rehabilitation type of of uh, pr- process. Is that, am I kind of following you on that? Right. The the whole process was completely volunteer. It's once they entered our, our facility, and we had people, Darren, that were anywhere from murderers uh, to people that were just you know uh, you know cutting checks or stealing credit cards or whatever. They volunteered to go through this program. And in the jail, they would receive uh, clerical counseling if they wanted. They received it from drug counselors. Uh, There were school teachers. There were organizations from the county that would actually come in and teach these people how to be better parents, how to be better husband and wives, and and even teach them how to work skills, job skills. Mm -hmm. And uh, once they did get out, then we weren't going through this recidivism effect again to where you know, they were, you know, just going back out there. They couldn't find work. They couldn't find transportation. So, bam, here they are back selling drugs, stealing goods, and they end up back in jail, costing us money, house them, feed them, and sending them back through the criminal justice system. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and, and kind of what you're talking about, I, I hope folks that are listening um, pick up on the fact that what you're talking about is this wasn't a state facility or a federal facility. This this is at the county level that you initiated this. And uh, right, and go ahead, and Darren. Let me jump in just for a second on that. And you're right. And it was a county facility, and we struggled for every penny that we received. I mean, we were low on manpower. Our jail facility was very deficient, which mm-hmm. luckily we were able to get a sales tax passed, law enforcement sales tax, a couple of years ago to to help out build a new jail and give more manpower. But we depended on people to volunteer. Mm-hmm. The ones I'm telling you about, from from the professional drug counselors to the school counselors to the uh, pastors uh, to the doctors, uh, we even had two professional comfort dogs. Uh, one of them had even been to Washington, D.C. and received a, a national presentation award. Uh, that would they volunteered, 
You know, they all come to our jail through this program, through this coalition, and they gave their time. I didn't have the money as a sheriff to pay them, but that just shows how positively a community can affect these individuals just by volunteering. And it was great to have all these volunteers, dozens and dozens of volunteers to help out these people that wanted to help themselves. Wow. Yeah, that's that's pretty amazing. I actually I actually wasn't aware that that was uh, that was going on. But, yeah, that's uh, that's an amazing program. Let me ask. um, And again, most folks that that tune into this podcast know that we 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 improv everything. We don't do a script. Uh, You and I (laughs) you and I have talked about doing a podcast, but we never even really ran down as far as what or or what, you know, kind of order or whatever. But uh, again, not to put not to put you on the spot. If folks were interested in in, in uh, setting up this type of program or getting more information from you or whatnot, can they reach you on that same website where you sell your books? Where, you know, if they if they want to kind of approach their, you know, community leaders and say, hey, you know, this is something that we heard on that podcast, something we we might want to try to mimic or whatever. Is that something you're available to to kind of reach out on? Sure, and like we spoke about earlier, you brought this up, Darren. Neither one of us got into this profession to become uh, wealthy and rich. So, you know, I am here to help. And my services, if someone would like to contact me, I would be glad to sit down and speak with them uh, by telephone, help them set up an agenda or a program. Uh, If it's it's to where they're offering or want to offer a free program, to help out drug-addicted America. And it's not just drug-addicted America. There's all types of tentacles that spiral out of, from that, including, you know, human trafficking, et cetera. I would be glad to sit down and help them do this free. Uh, yeah. Just get a hold of me, go to that website, and contact me by email. Send me your contact phone number, and I will be glad to contact you within one or two days at the most. Well, great, great. So we got, uh, again, our author author ron long.com <laughs> so uh yeah i'll put that in the show notes and and i'll i'll, I'll put it uh on our uh, facebook page and our website and uh yeah hopefully folks uh will reach out to you i think it's a great great program you know one of the things that uh and not to not to uh again uh front you out or, or make you uncomfortable or, or any of that but you know, over a span of almost 17, 18 years, you know, I've worked for a lot of uh, sheriffs and chiefs and, and uh, you know, uh, directors and, and whatnot. And I have to say that, that uh, you know, and I'm pretty pretty forthcoming with this, I've, I've never met a more, you know, firm, fair, and consistent, uh, you know, leader as I, as I have uh, with you. And, you know, that was one of the things that, I always kind of uh, was proud of that, you know, when we when we did stuff, um, you know, a lot of times before we even pulled the trigger on what we were doing, um, you know, we had a, a kind of an end plan as far as, you know, just not leaving folks in the cold. And I know that uh, there were several instances where, you know, other places they go in do the do the deal make the arrest and you go to jail and that's that and i know several instances where you know we we uh myself and colleagues and yourself you know went that extra step to to help folks and uh to kind of be compassionate and i i don't think um that's something that's as standard as we'd like to think so uh you know that was one thing that i will say that spending you know eight years with you nine years whatever um i I seen a side of that that i really wasn't exposed to as much as i probably should have been in other places and i think that um you know that was very recognizable by by you know both uh the folks we worked with in the community but darren i appreciate that that's a a very kind comment and um you know a lot of this job and it's not just about going and slapping the cuffs on. It's about serving and protecting your community. And it goes way beyond just arresting people and putting them in jail or working a car wreck. It goes to the point of finding different ways 
uh, like the jail program, the coalition we spoke about. To uh, and one thing I'm proud of too is Pulaski County, the uh, this uh, county I was served as sheriff. We were the first sheriff department, our law enforcement agency in Missouri. Period, to where we carried the drug Narcan mm-hmm. that could help resuscitate individuals that were. Uh, having some type of op- opioid or heroin uh, overdose problem, and and uh, you know that that program wasn't an enforcement program. That was another program that we had to help save lives, <clears throat> and it was a very inexpensive program. Once we announced it, individuals come on board and gave us donations to actually help finance, not help, but completely finance that program. And we were able to go out there, and once we were trained and had Narcan and all of our patrol cars, to save lives. It wasn't going out there and responding to overdose calls to find drugs and put people in jail, but it was to actually save lives and give people a second chance at life. Uh, there were some that abused the program, but there were some that I personally saw myself that once they were saved from death by this Narcan drug, then they did go into rehab. They had a second chance of life, and they got out and become a productive citizen. So that's what it's all about. That's saving a life. People think cops save lives by pulling people, you know, from in front of speeding bullets and out of swim pools and, and rescuing them from fires. But there's a lot of other ways. And you were this way, too, and we spoke about this before, uh, Darren, that you would meet people in the drug world that – were good people, but actually were victims of drugs, and you would find ways to help them get uh, medical uh, rehab or counseling services to where that was what was the best for them and not going to jail. And that's yeah. what it's all about, serving I, and protecting your community in every diverse way that you can to I help re- out people. I remember that was one of my last uh, last kind of assignments right before you... Uh departed uh you had called me down and there was a residence that we had information on and tried this we tried that and and i always enjoyed i don't know why i don't know why i enjoyed knocking talks more than i enjoyed any other aspect uh, (laughs) of working dope i enjoyed knocking talks and uh you know i always told folks the truth you know if we sit down and talk about this uh we'll, we'll figure something out but I'm not gonna mm-hmm. do it. I'm not gonna do it out here on your porch with, you know, Jesus and everybody else watching. I said we need to go in. <laughs> you need to walk me to to where your stuff is, and we'll set it at the counter and and we'll talk about it. And and it's always what I did. Mm-hmm. And I remember you mm-hmm. sending a, a new deputy with me that that uh, who now who now fast forward is uh, just a great 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 officer. Uh, we stay in touch mm-hmm. all the time. But uh, he'd never been on a knock and talk. And I remember vividly going and doing this one. And he was just blown away that, you know, the whole way there, all all 17 miles, he was like, they're not going to let us in, are they? And I'm like, well, (laughs) I I hope. But uh, long story short, we we got in this house and um, talked to the guy. I don't think he, I don't don't think he was quite... uh, on board with who we were initially <laughs> he let us in pretty quick <laughs> and uh, long story short we asked you know first thing out of the hole is anybody else in the house and he said yeah such and such is back in the uh bedroom uh she's rehabbing I'm like what do you mean she's rehabbing he goes she's rehabbing she's she's drying out she's been here for three days and uh he stayed in the living room i went to this back room and uh we ended up rousing her up out of bed. Finally got her got her to kind of come to a little bit. And brought her out to the kitchen table. I asked to see her driver's license. And Ron, that driver's license is what did it. That was the most just beautiful girl that, that I, I had ever laid eyes on. Just cute as a button. Not very old. And the girl that was sitting in front of me was, was not that girl. And mm-hmm. we got to talking to her. And... Um, kind of heard her story and we did we had one of the one of the uniform folks come to our location and i think don't quote me on it we we got we got the okay from you um she went to i believe rala 
uh, to uh, some sort of treatment facility, maybe. And mm -hmm. uh, anyway, long story short, six months, seven months later, I had asked that deputy that went on that knock and talk if he ever ran into her, ever talked to her. And he said, yeah, she, uh, uh, matter of fact, remembered him and, and uh, had thanked him and thanked the uh, deputy that had done the transport and some of the other folks. And I didn't know it at the time, but had two kids. And uh, she was working um, at a restaurant there in um, St. Robert and then uh, going to a Drury part-time for schooling and uh point being with that story is it just confirms what you what you're saying that you're not going to help everybody but if you can help one um man it makes you feel good right right and i uh, yeah i appreciate that uh thought and theory and practice coming from you and you know darren and let me clarify you said when you work for me I never considered you working for me. I always considered you working with me. Uh, and one of my regrets, and we have joked and laughed about this, um, including over Christmas, I think, that where, gosh almighty, why couldn't we not work narcotics together? Oh. Well, what a, a fun <laughs> team it would have been. You know? Yeah. yeah uh, but, but maybe we, we wouldn't be alive to tell any stories right that's now. Right. Maybe that's, that's right. the reason. I had uh, to chuckle though, because you're not you're not the first person to say that I'd never worked for him. <laughs> but it's not always no, been I, a, I, it's not always been in a positive light. <laughs> no, I truly consider just like uh, you know you have had John Groves on your uh, program before, and a man that we both admire and respect. And that's the way John was the chief deputy at Plastic County when I was a sheriff, and I never considered John working for me. John always worked with me, and uh, we were, were mutual uh, work employees, in my opinion, and the same with you. You know, your professional le level, your education, your background, uh, you know, nothing but A-plus. I'm not plugging you because this is your show, <laughs> well, but just showing, showing your audience what a quality, not just cop you were, but individual, and uh, you know just what was... regret that we never had a chance to work dope together. Oh, yeah, so. yeah. I do remember going to lunch one time, though, and a semi-blue passed us at about Mach 2, and we caught up to him rather quickly and shoved our badge in his window, and he uh, he slowed down. But, no, we would have we had some uh, good stories to tell for sure. I tell you, you know, one thing I've always told folks that, um, you know, I got a lot of colleagues, a lot of friends all over the state, but I will say mm -hmm. that that area that we worked, we were very blessed um, being down there at Fort Leonard Wood with the caliber of men and women that we would get come into that department. I mean, you would talk to guys that, I mean, they were high-speed military guys that worked a lot of active combat roles that had, you know, fancy titles. We had guys that were, you know, prior, uh, the one guy, uh, we don't have to give his last name, but Chris, John's buddy wasn't he FBI or ATF or uh -huh. something? Yeah, yeah, he was F. Yeah, wasn't he FBI? Yeah, FBI. Yeah, uh -huh. and I, I and remember then he had the other one that was eight, uh, that was DEA. Doug. That was oh yeah, yeah. Which which that's a whole story in itself, there with Doug. But what a <laughs> yeah. what a character. But no, I tell oh, you, it, it really spoiled you to be surrounded by uh, again men and women when. Um, you would hear about uh, their their background, their education, their training. And, uh, you know, we're all down there at one step above unemployment, just happy to be there. And uh, I tell you, it's it's one of those deals, uh, as you know, when you decided to, 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 to hang up your hat and, and uh, you know, move back down to Texas and whatnot, uh, you know, that was the time I decided that, you know, I was going to, Kinda, kinda hang up uh, that that part of my my life, and 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 uh, you know I'm still doing investigations and still doing my thing, but you know it was a real special time, and and I think that um, I think we were all very blessed to uh, you know make some some really great friendships that uh, have continued to maintain, and again when you look at everybody's backgrounds and and what they brought to the table, it was. It was like no other place I'd ever been. Um, it was it was a great great time, and 
you know, a great experience. So, uh, you know, I, I do miss that for sure. So Yeah, actually I do too. And, you know, there's no place in the world, and I've worked in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. I have worked down in the Austin area, you know, people, places with millions of people. But I tell individuals this all the time, including my buddies since I moved back to Texas, there's no place in the world like Pulaski County. The people down there, uh, great people. We have crime. We have human trafficking, vice, narcotics. But then again, on the other end of that, we have some very professional individuals, a lot associated with the military or that come out of the military, and some business leaders that are top-notch down there. So it's kind of like this perfect combination of, of people. Uh, but for I was extremely lucky, and other sheriffs throughout the state were kind of jealous of my situation, was I had 50 reserve deputies. I had more reserve deputies than what I had full-time mm-hmm. paid on my staff. And there, you know, people that are not in the law enforcement field think, well, you know, you can just hand out a badge and a commission to anybody anymore. You can't. It's illegal to do that. Right. The old political appointments like you saw. So now a reserve deputy has to have the same qualifications as a full-time police officer or deputy sheriff. Right. So when you see a reserve out there, they've gone through everything that the full-time people have. Right. But I was really lucky. I had, uh, I'll name them, uh, Johnny Burgess and Ed Fowler that were uh, commanding my reserve unit and Johnny being a captain and Ed being a lieutenant. And they had connections with a lot of these professional individuals that were associated with Fort Wood out there that were a past military that still lived around there and did training and stuff. These people teach individuals from military from all over the world. And I had the availability of them being reserve deputies of the sheriff's office. So just real quickly, not to take up much time on this, but when I first uh, became sheriff, we had a uh, local state uh, task force that was working on narcotics that I wasn't really happy with. The production numbers were really low. And Ed Fowler, Lieutenant Fowler, came up to me and said, Sheriff, if you just let us do it, let's put a team together and we can go out here and we can take drugs to a level that this count, drug enforcement to a level this county's never seen before. And so within two years of that little unit, drug enforcing drugs on the street, our own reserve deputies that we had, we had 20 times the drug arrests that we were having previously. You know, from, from clandestine labs to heroin to cocaine, uh, they were doing it. Guns, bad people, felons, you know, fugitives. Just from that reserve unit that volunteered their time to help out me and the citizens of Pulaski County. So, yes, I was very fortunate and very blessed. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I never understood uh, that as well. Um, you've got a lot of folks, and I've I seen this as an instructor at the police academy. You know, I was full-time instructor there at Mizzou for quite some time. And, you know, you see folks that that want to kind of, you know, be part of the greater good and put on a costume and a 10 star, and they, they get a, a year or two or three years into it. And then realize that, again, you're not going to make six figures. And a lot of them want to continue to do what they love. But they have accepted the fact that, uh, you know, they might have two, three kids or, you know, have this or have that. And from a financial standpoint, mm-hmm. they, they want more. But they still want to, again, uh, kind of be part of that greater good. And uh, a lot of your reserve departments or your reserve uh, units, rather, throughout the state, I, I've seen have that old kind of 70s, 80s mentality where a reserve was somebody that was a buddy. You give them a, a badge and they wear a gun and they come out and ride along, um, you know, or work parades and basketball games. And, you know, that, that was not the M.O. down there uh, at Pulaski at all. Them guys were high speed. A lot of them. 40 plus hours a week even for for in some instances yes sir so yeah yeah it was it was pretty special i tell you what um i've got some notes here even though i told you i I didn't really have an agenda but i've got on here flood i've got on here strip clubs i got on here all (laughs) kinds of stuff but we are 52 Uh minutes into our podcast and i typically don't go over 30 
So uh, we did exactly what I thought we were going to do, uh, which is awesome, and I appreciate that. But uh, yeah, maybe we can do a follow up here in a in a couple uh, you know couple months. Get through Fourth uh, of July and all that. But I want to stress again um, for those of you that uh, are out there um, that website authorronlong.com. Uh, you know, go out, check it out, order a book. Um, as he kind of stated, I'm, I'm on here. Um, I'm on here looking again. It looks like, uh, again, Amazon.com, Barnes and Noble, BookDepository.com, and then uh, looks like is that available for the Kindle as well? Then, right? Uh, yes, it is. Yeah, I forgot so, to include that. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and the Kindle price is amazing. It's almost you can't afford not to own it. So. Uh, jump on there, get one ordered, uh, reach out to Ron. Uh, we also, too, real quick, um, we, we, I heard you say it several times, but I'd like to get you back on um, as well with the human trafficking thing. Um, as you know, I kind of dabbled in that towards the end um, there in the Lake Ozark area, but I don't think people realize just how uh, prominent that is uh, here in the in the U.S., that it's, it's a growing epidemic, and I know you're very... Uh, uh, educated and, and versed in that topic as well. So maybe next time we come on, we can kind of hit on that and uh, kind of dabble into that. Um, I seen also, too, the other day that uh, uh, aren't you doing something with a little bit of your proceeds or going to uh, a human trafficking organization? Right. <clears throat> There's a human trafficking organization actually out of South Missouri uh, they have establishments there and also one at the Texas-Mexico border down around El Paso. They're called On Time Ministry. And uh, a portion of every book that I – well, let me back up. A portion of every Drugs Without Sugar, America's Addiction book that I sell will go toward um, this On Time Ministry to help them. Actually, they are a shelter that rescues human trafficking victims. And, Darren, there are millions out there. In South Central Missouri is a prime area, so it's there. I'll be glad to talk to you about it. Uh, you also have a U.S. Congresswoman, Vicki Hartsford, there in, in the Pulaski County in, in Central Missouri area that's very uh, proactive in that. So anyway, uh, love to talk to you about that and anything else uh, in another show if, uh, if you see fit. Oh, yeah. We'd love to have you. And uh, one last thing, too, I keep I keep adding to the, the pile here, but... Uh, you're also available for speaking engagements. I know right now you're 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 probably um, primarily around the San Antonio area, but if uh, if the uh, ability or opportunity was there, I'm sure you would go other places. But you've you've talked to uh, corporate America on some of these topics as well, haven't you? Uh, I have, Darren, and there's kind of four or five different areas I target. Uh, you know, I target schools, uh, churches. Uh, Military organizations had had the opportunity to to give presentations numerous times on military bases, and uh, civic groups and uh, any any opportunity I have to get the message out. And of course, you know, I can't do it free. I have to have travel expenses covered. But uh, sure. I am available to come and, and give a, a drug education and awareness program to so any group out there, and I will custom tailor actually a presentation for that group. So. Just give me a call. Give me get in contact with me. Uh, be glad to work something out. Sounds good. And for those of you that uh, uh, have any questions, or you uh, uh, go to the website and you want another uh, avenue, uh, if you want to PM uh, us or email us at logsolutions.com, you're happy to reach out to us. We'll put you in contact with uh, Ron direct. And Ron, I can't thank you enough for being on. Um, should have this put together shortly, and uh, it's been a real pleasure. It's been my privilege, Darren. I I enjoyed it, and uh, uh, thanks for the opportunity. All right, brother. This is the 10-6 podcast, getting ready to go 10-8. You have a good week, brother. Uh, You too. Bye-bye. Good night. a chance for the flag or the liberty bell I wish a Ford and a Chevy were still 
last ten years like the shoe. It's the best of the free life behind us now. Are the good times really over for good? I wish Coke was still cola and a joint was a bad place to be. And it was back before Nixon lied to us all on. For microwave ovens When a girl can still cook And still wood It's the best of the free life Behind us now Are the good times really over for good I've been rolling down the hill Chance for the flag of liberty.